Five centuries before Jesus uttered the words in today's gospel, what would one day be the Roman Empire was only one small nation among many occupying the Italian peninsula. One of these, the Aquians, attacked the fledgling Roman Republic. The Roman army was defeated and thrown back, leaving Rome undefended and the young Republic in danger of annihilation. Desperate, the Senate turned to a man named Lucius Quinctius Cincinnatus, a senator reduced to poverty and now living on a small farm, working the fields himself. They elected him to the position of dictator, making him the highest-ranking official in Rome, with extensive emergency powers lasting six months. He accepted the Senate's commission, and the next day at dawn he assembled a relief army and led it out to save Rome and rescue their beleaguered comrades. Covering ground rapidly, Cincinnatus surprised the Aquians, assaulting their encampment at night. The Aquians found themselves trapped between Cincinnatus' army and the previously defeated Roman army still in the field. Surrounded and disorganized, the Aquians surrendered. In token of their defeat, Cincinnatus obliged them to pass under a frame or yoke of three crossed spears. Having saved the Republic and restored peace to Rome, Cincinnatus immediately relinquished the authority of Dictator, months before he was required to do so, and returned to his humble farm, becoming a hero of civic virtue. He has been immortalized in numerous sculptures, lauded by Dante in the Divine Comedy, and perhaps most familiar to us, lent his name to the city of Cincinnati, Ohio. As inspiring as Cincinnatus' disinterested renunciation of power is, what I find most interesting in this story is the subjugation ritual the Aquians undergo. We should note that the term subjugate derives from the Latin sub, meaning under, and jugum, meaning yoke, thus to go under the yoke. This ritual would be performed many times through the centuries of Roman history. It meant peace for Rome, but for her defeated enemies it meant violent domination, dispossession, enslavement, and often exile. The yoke was a familiar symbol in the empire, and for many submission was a heavy yoke, one that chafed, to be thrust off if the opportunity presented itself. This is the context for Jesus' invitation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is sweet and my burden light. In a world under the yoke of Roman domination, Jesus invites his hearers to submit to a different yoke, that of the kingdom of heaven. It is a profoundly revolutionary statement. We should not be surprised that even his disciples misunderstood and expected him to lead a political revolt against Roman rule. But the yoke Jesus offers is fundamentally different because his kingdom is not a worldly kingdom and is not founded on worldly principles. The power and dominance of Rome was upheld by her legions in the threat of violence. Victory came by force of arms and peace at the point of a spear. Against the standards of the Roman legions, Jesus raises a new standard, that of his most sacred heart. In the image of his wounded, bleeding heart, surrounded by thorns and crowned with fire, we discover the truth this new kingdom is founded upon. Jesus offers no countering force, no attempt to dominate. 
Instead, he invites us, revealing his heart ablaze with love for men. He yearns for us to know him as he knows us. He longs for communion with his creatures. He suffers for us. He allows us to wound him because he would rather bear our offenses against him than abandon us, in the hope that we will be converted and turn back to him in tearful penance for the injury we have given. He is the new Moses, and as we heard Moses tell the Hebrews in the desert, so now he tells us, You are sacred to the Lord your God. He has chosen you, not because you are great, but because the Lord loves you and has set his heart on you. It is a love we cannot earn and our offenses cannot extinguish, but which we shockingly deserve because we are his creatures. In addition to subjugate, there is another English word that is based on yugum, conjugal, to be yoked with the bond of marriage in which burdens are shared rather than imposed. This is the difference between the yoke of Rome and the yoke of Jesus. Rome dominates, but Jesus proposes. If we accept his invitation to take his yoke, if we abide at his side and in his love, we will discover our true worth and the true freedom that only come from knowing that we are loved. If we love as we have been loved, loving both God and neighbor, we pass under his yoke, no longer into slavery, but into conjugal bliss, no longer despised and degraded, but exalted and beloved. And as a constant reminder, he calls us to partake of a feast, the wedding banquet of the divine bridegroom and his spotless bride. Truly blessed are we who are called to the supper of the Lamb.